Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you here. Thanks for joining us. If you're new, my name is Pastor Aaron. I have the great privilege of leading here at Westville Baptist Church. We're so glad that you joined us today. I just want to say thanks for worshiping today. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I, I felt like David, as he wrote in the Psalms, like it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And, and today it's great to be able to worship with you and to sing together. And I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful for each of you. Today we have a, a, a special guest with us, um, Ken and Carolyn uh, Muckle. And they are friends of Bob and Betty uh, Thompson. And uh, Bob and Betty have known them for years and years. So I'm excited to get together with Ken and Carolyn and get a little insight and get the scoop on Bob and Betty. You know, we need a little bit more dirt on them since they're, you know, only been with us for a year. And uh, I, I'll never forget Bob and Betty. You walked in on, on VBS Sunday, and that Sunday it was totally different. And we just decorate out, and it was like a whole different place when you walk in. And I said, hey, please don't just judge us by our appearance on one Sunday, please, like, good or bad, like don't expect this every Sunday, but also if you don't like it, like it's not like this every week, but uh, we are excited to have uh, Ken and Carolyn with us as they share and unique because they're, they're home on furlough from Spain um, and as they are, are ready to retire and kind of coming to that end of their ministry as missionaries and, you know, kind of our theme, you see it on our business cards out in the foyer uh, we have this psalm, Psalm 96, that says, Declare his glory amongst the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And that's our desire. And I hope, and, and my prayer is for you this morning, our theme for this year is walking by faith. And one of the greatest things that can strengthen our faith is seeing those who have gone before us, hearing stories and being witness and in hearing testimony first-hand testimony of those who have been walking faithful with the Lord and seeing how God has provided, that strengthens our faith as we continue to live out our faith and to declare his name, to declare his glory amongst the nations. And so if you would, would you help welcome Ken um, Muckle with us this morning? Good to be with you. We're uh, soon to be retiring as missionaries in Spain. And uh, just to let you know a little bit about Spain, uh, there are more believers in the greater Cleveland area than there are in all of Spain. So to just give you some insight on that. Uh, we have planted a church in a place called Cabanillas del Campo, 45 minutes outside of Madrid. And there was no church when we came there. Now there is, praise the Lord. So we're going to give you a little insight as to what went on. Uh, the church of Cabanillas del Campo says, thank you. Thank you to you. You support ABWE missionaries. Therefore, you support the whole outreach uh, idea of ABWE. So we want to thank you for that. Now, more than 25 years ago, this was us at the Madrid airport. Knees shaking, jet lag, not knowing what to do. But we praise the Lord that he used such a one as such ones as us. Now, when you start out as a missionary, you try anything, no matter how goofy, no matter how strange, but you want to reach them for the gospel. It's a relatively uh, 
cold country, so we tried anything. Uh, we had English camps in the beginning. Uh, when you're in Europe, the language of international business is English. So everybody wants to learn English, and they want their children to learn English. Eng English, yeah, I can speak. There's two languages I can't speak now. But uh, we started out having English camps where we could... This is a... Okay, uh, English camps, and we had places where we could uh, tell these people about Christ in this kind of context. This was our last English camp a little before COVID hit. And so these were the things that we were doing to reach people for Christ. But then we realized that we need to focus on prayer because that's how God's going to open people's heart. And our motto of our work was training disciples who reach the world on their knees. And so we tried to spend a lot of time. We had monthly days of prayer and fasting. And as a church, we prayed for at least 50 people every day to come to know Christ. And this was one of the main things that we tried to do in our work. Um, Spaniards love to party. Therefore, the term fiesta, it's Spanish. Their culture is based on partying and so we tried to think of different ways when we moved to our town to get to know people. We moved to a town of 11,000 people and we knew nobody in that town. So we tried, besides English, we thought, what are other ways we can get people to come to our, at the beginning, our house? Um, we did Thanksgiving outreaches, which of course Spaniards don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but they love the idea of Thanksgiving. They've seen it in movies and on TV shows. And so they were very excited about coming to our house and seeing a huge turkey with all the fixings. And we were able to share that the basis of Thanksgiving is being thankful to God. So we used that as a basis to invite people to our home and share about being thankful. And then we did Valentine's outreaches. Another thing was that we thought, why don't we invite couples to our house and do a Valentine outreach like your church is doing, talking about the love of God and how that is the greatest love in the world. So we use different party ideas to try to reach out to them. Then in, we had a, a lot of false starts, a lot of different people that came through, started studying the Bible with us, seemed interested, but were not. We had a couple baptisms, and that was exciting, but never really led to anything. Until 2009, when Federico and Lucia, um, our Spanish co-workers, joined our work. They moved out to Cavanias. Fede, well, both of them were in seminary where Ken taught in Madrid, and they were looking for a place to begin pastoring, and they decided to join us. So it was a great improvement in our ministry. We always say before, uh, it was, you know, us with our sort of bad Spanish trying to tell people about Jesus. But then when Fede and Lucia joined us, they were Spaniards telling people about Jesus. And Federico is an incredible people person. He is, does an incredible job of talking to people, and they have, as you can see here, four kids, and their kids, besides our grandchildren, are the best kids we know. They are so well-behaved, and everybody in our town knows them. Their kids go to the school in our town, and everybody wants to know how Faye and Lucia raise their kids. They're always asking Faye, what do you do? Because Spanish children on the whole are not well-behaved. Um, I only say that because there's no Spaniards here, <laughs> but as a whole, they are not. So everyone's always asking Fede and Lucia, how do you do it? How do you raise your kids? How are your kids so great? And Fede always says, we go by the Bible. We use the Bible. And they always say, besides the Bible, what do you do? And Fede says, just the Bible. 
So they've had a great, great opportunity to witness to people just through the behavior of their children. I'm sorry, I did no, that too. Okay, all right. No, well, one of the first things we did was we did a Bible distribution. We bought New Testaments, bought thousands of New Testaments. We went to every door in our town. And we were disappointed at the number of people who took the Bible. Only 60 people out of 11,000 took Bibles. So that was a disappointment, but we tried to be faithful to the Lord and distribute his word. Uh, we had an evangelistic campaign and that's when things started to happen. Our church was part of a church association and they sent a team out and we saw hundreds of people come to our events. This was an event uh, in the town next to us where 300 people came. But we finally saw baptisms after that. We finally saw people come to know Christ and it's neat to see the changed lives in these people. And then some of them are reaching out to their uh, neighbors and friends to, to do these things. And we tried more outreach events. We never stopped with outreach events. We always kept doing that. Even though we saw people come to know Christ, we needed to continue to do that more and more and more. And we had outreach events. This, this was around Easter. Some of you have probably done the resurrection eggs presentation of the gospel. Well, this is our coworker, Luthia, uh, sharing the resurrection eggs. And this was a ladies outreach event that uh, just had right after COVID uh, came around. Uh, I was a teacher at the Cephalvon Seminary. A co-worker or a, a, a co-student of mine or co, what would you call that? I'm thinking a in friend. Spanish. A friend of mine started that seminary uh, 30 years ago and he asked me to come teach and I thought, well, that would be good to improve my Spanish. But it actually turned out pretty well and the students seemed to respond and these are some of the classes that I did. This was one of the last classes that I taught. One of the most important things I did, though, was um, mentoring or discipleship ministry. And in that ministry, I would invite men who were in the fourth year class, and we would meet every other week, and we would study the book, The Measure of a Man by Gene Getz. And one of the main focuses or foci of that has to do with applying the scriptural principles about what it means to be a man. And that was one of the main things that I did. And these are the various groups. In uh, that group, there are actually two people from uh, Muslim backgrounds who came to know Christ and who we have discipled. Uh, these were the various groups along the way. Then when Ken started mentoring the men of the seminary, the women started wanting to be mentored. So I um, had done Apples of Gold. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a women's mentoring ministry that started in the United States. They translate the books into Spanish, and I took them over to Spain. It's older women based on the verses in Titus, older women mentoring younger women. So a couple of friends and I started that ministry. We ministered through all the different women that went through Sefovan, future pastor's wives, 36 women went through the program. It was an incredible time for me just to invest in some of the younger women. And there's more. And then during COVID-19, we had to, obviously, as everybody, um, we had to sort of change our focus. I, if you follow any of the news, in Spain, we were confined to our homes for almost three months, only allowed to leave to go to the bank, the store, or the pharmacy. Or walk your dog. Yeah, or walk your dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't have a dog at that time. So, um, but, so we had to come up with different ideas to, to w reach out to people. So we did that all online. For two years, we did everything online. But then we were obviously able to open back up again recently. Another great thing that we started was when our two youngest boys were young. There's our son in the middle there in the orange shirt. 
Um, when they were talking to their friends in the street about Jesus, their friends seemed interested. We thought, why don't we start a kids ministry? So we started a kids club out of uh, Fede and Lucia's living room. Very small at the beginning. There were only a handful of neighborhood kids that came. But that has grown now. Now we have a building. And every Friday night, we have a kids club that runs from 530 to 7. And we get tons of kids that come through, all because of Fede and Lucia's kids and their friends who they invite. And then we now started a Hovenist group, teens. So we actually, the Faith and Lucia's oldest two are teenagers. So now they have invited their friends, and now we have a teen group that we're running. Another thing that I did at the beginning was join an aerobics class to try to get to know women when I first joined, moved to the town. Uh, those friendships continued all the way. That picture on the left is a couple weeks before I left. Those friendships continued. Many opportunities to talk to them about the Lord. So that was a really great thing. Then I did an English reading club. Once again, we tried to use English again and again. And so for 20 years, we did that. And a lot of people heard about Christ through that, came to our events. And so we feel like it was a good way to relate to people in the community. Then recently, we recruited a new couple, the couple that are on the left, Chris and Rose Durier, who are coming to help Federico and Lucia. We help them in various ways as a team, and now this new team is forming, and we're excited that they just arrived in Spain two weeks ago, and they're saying that the services are just packed, so that's just wonderful. Uh, we knew that every time we went on furlough, our church grew, so we figured, hey, once we leave, it's really going to take off, and so we're excited to see what, what that's bringing. And this is our family. We, um, this is our son Sam's wedding. I was pregnant with Sam when we went to Spain. And this is his wedding last May. Um, just quickly, we have four kids. Our son Sam and his wife in the middle just got married. They are teachers in Lancaster County Christian School. Uh, Joe, our oldest son on the right, I guess it would be the right, yeah, is um, he's married, has three kids, three little girls. They're expecting a baby in April. And Hannah... At the top is a, she's living in New Jersey. She works for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia as a fundraiser. And Nathan, our youngest, just graduated from Lancaster Bible College. If anyone's looking for a good Bible college, we highly recommend it. Um, he is an assets protection manager at Target in Lancaster. And then one of the things I might do in the future is teach Bible and theology classes in Spanish to Hispanics in Lancaster County. Now, Lancaster County is in Berlin. There are more Amish who live in Berlin than Lancaster County, right? But there are more Hispanics who live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, than there are Amish. And there are one million Hispanics that live between Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and Philadelphia. So there, the, church, the uh, school is trying to reach out to these people. So there's a, the possibility that after teaching 20 years of seminary, that I could be able to teach Hispanics in Spanish the Bible and theology. So we want to say thank you. Thank you for your support of ABWE, which supports us also. And we thank you for that. Thanks. Well, now let's... Uh, transition and let's go to the Bible. Why don't you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and we're going to start there as we look at the scriptures and this is applicable to what we're going to see today that there's the glory in the gospel ministry and God transfers his glory to us through our Lord Jesus Christ and he diffuses that message 
by using jars of clay. Now, 17 times in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to uh, verse 4, or chapter 4, the word glory is used. And when it uses the word glory, I looked it up in the dictionary and Merriam-Webster said that one of the definitions of the word glory is magnificence. Now we can see that uh, Jesus was the Shekinah glory of God. That God demonstrated his presence with light. In various times throughout, especially the Old Testament, there was the manifestation of God through light. So Jesus in the New Testament was that Shekinah, that manifestation. But we're going to see that the gospel requires God to show up. God to manifest himself in people's hearts. And he also requires that his person through the Holy Spirit works in our lives so that we can promote Jesus Christ. So these are the things that we're trying to see. Today we're going to see that God diffuses his magnificent message, the gospel, the new uh, covenant ministry through weak common messengers. Now you saw that slideshow. Ah, wonderful. But that's all God. I mean, we are weak. We, are, we didn't even like to fly when we started. So we're on the plane and we're afraid oh, it's going to crash. We're going to die. So that's the kind of people we are, just weak and common. And maybe you're as weak and common as I am. But maybe there's something that God wants you to do. And you sort of lack confidence in that. Maybe there's a ministry that someone's asking you to participate in. You think, oh, no, no, I couldn't do that. Maybe you lack confidence in your role in the church and your family. Maybe as a parent. Oh, I can't tell you the number of times I felt incompetent as a parent. Maybe it's trying to reach your neighborhood or maybe your ministry in school. Or what, what is it that I have to share with these people? But I want to encourage you today, and Paul wants to encourage you today in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, going to chapter 4, that God diffuses his magnificent message through weak and common messengers. Now, it starts out talking about the triumph that we have in Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, in antiquity, when a general would win a battle, he would return to the city of Rome. And he'd have his soldiers behind him. And behind them were the prisoners of war who were probably going to be killed or become slaves. And lining the streets would be incense, burning incense. And so there would be a smell to a victory parade. Now, to some people, that smell was a good smell. Yeah, we won. To other people, it was a bad smell. It meant either death or life of imprisonment. And that's the picture that we're seeing here. And we're seeing that ministry is uh, spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ everywhere. Uh, moving forward in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
to the one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Wow, that's a big responsibility. Life and death are in our hands. And it's determined by how we smell. How do you smell? In your house, in your neighborhood, in your work. Are you diffusing the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or are you diffusing something else? See, as a Christian, our job is to diffuse the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But so often Christians diffuse other things. Some things are okay, but they're not the best because we need to be that aroma of Christ. So the gospel produces paradoxical results. To some, it means life. To others, it means death. And who is sufficient for these things? Well, Paul answers that question a little later in the passage. But right now, he talks about the false apostles who always seem to follow him. And he talks about this in chapter 2, verse 17. For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Now, apparently, during Paul's time, there was no lack of false teachers. And he uses the word translated hawk or pedal. And another translation I saw of this word was the word huckster. You guys remember hucksters? Hucksters were people who would go down the street and they might have a bell and that meant they were coming. My grandfather was a huckster on the north side of Pittsburgh. And there are a lot of stories about red muckle ripping people off. He would cheat, he would steal, he would deceive. And Paul is using that word to talk about the false teachers of his time. They were cheating, they were stealing. They were deceiving. They were trying to add to the gospel, saying Paul doesn't preach the full gospel. He only preaches a part of it. He only preaches that part about Jesus, but he doesn't preach the part about the law. And that's what they were saying again and again and again. And just in our day, it talks about the idea that these hucksters are just adulterating the word of God for profit. Please don't send money to someone who has a personal jet or someone who has multiple mansions all over the world. Please don't send money to those people. On the flight over, I saw the movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, based on Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, my, the, <laughs> the opulence that they had. Hucksters are obvious. And hucksters of the gospel are obvious. All they want is money. They're not like some of us who buy our clothes at Goodwill. Uh, all they want is money. So be careful of the hucksters. And so these hucksters were saying that Paul wasn't true. And so he, they persuaded the Corinthians to question Paul's authority. That God wasn't working through Paul. He was working through them. And so we see that the product of the ministry is changed people. 
And that's what Paul says starting in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourself are our letter of recommendation. Written in our hearts to be known and read by all. Paul started the Corinthian church. Why would he need to give them a letter of recommendation? Uh, we see that he was there in his, the end of his second missionary journey. And he would reason in the synagogue every Sabbath. And, and it said that he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God to them. Why in the world would he need a letter of recommendation? But this shows the strength of the hucksters. They can make it look like a true servant of Christ is the deceiver rather than they themselves. Verse three or verse two, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. That's our job to deliver the knowledge of Jesus Christ to people. He talks about this on tablets of human hearts and he's implying here and he's going to talk about that for the rest of the time, the new covenant. You see, the new covenant is to be written in the hearts. The old covenant was to be written in stone, not on the hearts. And he's making this distinction here. The new covenant is written on your heart. The old covenant was just written externally on tablets of stone. And his argument here, and we're going to see that from this point on, is that one good thing is simply eclipsed by something tremendously better. The Old Testament law written on tablets of stone is being replaced by the new covenant gospel that writes it on the hearts. And this is one thing we need to see. And so Paul uses, as he does so often with the Corinthians, Parody, irony, and sarcasm. Do we need a letter of recommendation? Are you kidding me? I spent a year and a half with you people. But that's how Paul related to the Corinthians. And one of the keys to understanding 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is to see Paul's use of parody, irony, and sarcasm. Now we're going to go on and he's going to talk about the superiority of the new covenant. And here he answers the question that he asked in chapter 2, verse 16. What was that question? To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is capable? Who is competent enough to have life and death in your hands? So he says in chapter three, verses four to six, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim as anything coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills. The spirit gives life. The first step to being adequacy 
in G- to being adequate in Jesus Christ begins with realizing that we are inadequate. That's the first step. We're dealing with life and death. Can I cause life? And could I provoke spiritual death? No. And so I have to realize that I am inadequate to perform this ministry, but our adequacy is from God. We're not sufficient. But again, in 2.14, it says we're to spread the fragrance. 2.17 says we're to speak in Christ. 3.2 says we are to deliver the message. And 4.5 says we proclaim Christ. That is our confidence. Not in our ability or not in our presentation, but the fact that Jesus Christ is that magnificent message. You see, we focus on what God writes in the heart, not what he wrote on tablets of stone. Because tablets of stone depended on external means and motivation. But written on the heart is the emphasis on the internal, on the things that only the Spirit of God can do. And it's interesting, when God, when Israel proved unable and unwilling to remain faithful to that covenant, God presented the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. He did that because he knew that Israel would fail. You realize at the end of the Old Testament, it's a sad scene because it shows the total failure of Israel to keep the old covenant. It was a total failure. The book of Malachi ends. Israel is not in captivity. They're back in the land. A remnant is back in the land, but they're under the media Persian empire. And God promises hope in the book of Malachi, but it shows that Israel totally failed to keep the old covenant because it was just on tablets of stone, but there was no means to carry it out. You see, God uses, God diffuses his magnificent message through weak and common messengers. And the message that he promised in Jeremiah chapter 31 has to do that it's a new covenant, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers when they came out of the land of Egypt, the Mosaic covenant, the 10 commandments specifically, He says, I will write it on their hearts. And at the end, he says, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Under the old covenant, sin was just covered. The most important day in the nation Israel was the day of Yom Kippur. Kippur means to cover. Sins were covered over until Jesus Christ came. But when Jesus Christ came, he took them totally away. This is a magnificent message. Let's imagine that you got yourself in financial trouble. And you owe someone $10 million. You're in a tough situation. But let's imagine that the person to whom you owe gives you the $10 million to pay the debt you owe to them. That's what the gospel's about. We owe a huge debt. 
that we could never pay to God. But he sent his son to pay that bill that we could never pay. That's why it is a magnificent message. This new covenant message is magnificent. And it was inaugurated by Christ in his sacrifice on the cross. It's entered into by faith, right? That's your theme. The just shall live by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. It's entered into by faith. And it's lived out in dependence on the Holy Spirit. You see, that is something that didn't occur in the Old Testament. Occasionally, people were uh, led by the Holy Spirit. But for us in the New Testament era, in the New Covenant era, the Spirit lives in our hearts. He regenerates us. He has to show up in order for us to live the Christian life. For instance, Romans 7, 6 says, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. It's totally new. The code is different and the way we serve is totally different because it depends on us walking in the spirit who lives inside of us. And therefore, our attempting to fulfill God's righteousness apart from the divine enablement is trying to walk like those in the Old Testament, like those under the Old Covenant. And if that's our focus, we often use guilt, shame, fear, and manipulation. Because we don't trust the Holy Spirit working in the person's heart. But if the Holy Spirit is working in the person's heart, he is going to motivate them without the guilt, the shame, the fear, and the manipulation. This is the magnificent message that God has for us. Results are produced in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And when he talks about the letter of the law, he's talking about the commands of the Old Testament covenant, the Ten Commandments. He calls this a ministry of death. Why? Because it's a ministry of condemnation. And it's a temporary ministry. It was not designed to last forever. The Mosaic law was written on the tablets that Moses brought down from the Ten Commandments. He continues in Chapter 3, verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. He's making a contrast here. And the essential problem with the law is that it could not give life. The law of Moses... And keeping the law of Moses did not give you life. The law of Moses told you where you were wrong, but it could not give you life. The Old Testament was transitory and fading. Someone has said, and I, I like this quotation, the law is not soap. It's a mirror. You look in a mirror and it tells you something. I look in the mirror and every day I like less what I see because it tells you the reality. And that's how the law functions. We look at it and say, oh boy, 
less hair than you had yesterday. That's every day with me. But we look at the law and we see that we fall short. It's not soap. It doesn't clean us. It tells us we're dirty and we need Jesus Christ to clean it up. 3, 8 to 11. Will not the ministry of the Spirit even have more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more that which is permanent will have glory. Glory. Once again, he's using that word glory as magnificence. It's uh, the God showing up. And that is always glorious. It's the manifestation of the presence of God on earth. And he continues in 12 and 13. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And that's what we've got to be with the gospel. It's a magnificent message. Sometimes we're ashamed to share it, but we need to be very bold because it's the message where the power is. It's the Holy Spirit activating the regeneration and dealing with him, walking in him that gives us the power. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. The glory was being brought to an end. In Exodus chapter 34, we see this situation uh, that Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he didn't know that his skin shone because he'd been talking with God, that he put a veil over his face. And this is the type of thing that we need to see that that glory was fading, but there is a new glory that we need to see. And so we're going to continue on and we're going to see that God diffuses his magnificent message through weak common messengers. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's talking about freedom from the law. Uh, in Galatians, he uses this term again and again and again. And then he continues in 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. This is talking about sanctification, talking about being in God's presence as we open up the word and pray that he would illumine his word to us. This is God revealing himself to us just like he did to Moses. And it changes us. It makes us different. You know, it's neat to see the changes in the lives of people in Cabanillas del Campo, to see how God is making them more like himself. And that happens as they open up his word and pray, God, make this happen in me. We're going to move to the end here and we're going to see that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers in chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, we're going to see that God who said, let the light shine out of darkness in chapter 4, verse 6 has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God. Christ. God has to shine in our hearts. And then we go through as we go through some more slides. We see that there's a frailty of the ministers. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Jars of clay, common things, things that everybody has. We are very, very frail. At that time, everything was in jars of clay. It's kind of like the tin can today. How many tin cans do you have in your house? Tons of them, right? And it's not like you say, hey, I got this great tin can. No, it's a tin can. You don't worry about it. And so when he's talking about jars of clay, he's talking about commonness. That it's not like we're outstanding people. We're outstanding missionaries. It's just God diffused his magnificent message through us so that he would receive the rightful glory that he deserves. God intended this sharp contrast so that no one would question the source of the gospel and it's all surpassing power. Salvation is the work of God, not men. And that's our message as missionaries. Yes, 25 years, we have our slides, but we wanna encourage you that you in your place of ministry can do the exact same thing because I am a weak common messenger just like you are, but God can diffuse his magnificent message through weak and common messengers. Let's pray. Father, we wanna thank you that you are so gracious to use the likes of us in your ministry. And Lord, I wanna pray for the folks here today that you would encourage them, that they can diffuse that message, that because you have done it all, we can diffuse your message and proclaim your magnificent message to the world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? Have you been encouraged this morning? Challenged? We're nothing special. Yes, we're special to the Lord, of course. But uh, I, I love that analogy of the jars of clay. Um, I think sometimes we think we're, uh, we're this great uh, cup of gold, you know, like... We walk around strutting our stuff and it's like, look, we're just normal. Every single one of us as we sit here and stand here today. And yet God desires in some part, in some way that I can't even fathom why, but he wants and he chooses each of you. He's entrusted us with the message of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in entrusting us, he desires to use you right where he's placed you to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you, are you allowing him to do that? Are you confident, not in yourselves, but of him? Are you being bold? Let me encourage you, keep praying, keep seeking the Lord, keep using the, the avenues that he's set before you because there's people in your life that he's set before you that he wants you to share with them the good news of Jesus. It's not a missionary's job to tell the world about Jesus. It's our job. Every one of us, we have that responsibility as ambassadors of Christ. So Ken and Carolyn, thank you so much for your faithfulness of serving the Lord and in, in Spain. And I, I totally understand about not being able to speak. I make up words all the time in English. 
And as we've traveled afar into different uh, missions trips, uh, I know that I do not have the gift of language, indeed. And uh, we have some great stories that our people know of me. So I'll stick to English the best I can, And but we are so grateful and thankful for your faithfulness. And thanks for bringing the word today with us. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for your amazing love. The fact that you would send your son Jesus to die on a cross in our place for our sin. That his blood was poured out and shed so that our sins would be forgiven. He didn't stay dead. He was buried in a grave, in a tomb. But he rose three days later, proving that he is God, conquering sin and death and giving us hope and giving us life. Thank you that we, as we trust and believe in the name of Jesus, as we sang earlier, Lord, we believe that Jesus died for us, that he rose from the dead and he is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day he will return. We look forward to your return, Lord. And we pray that it will be soon. But we are also great, grateful and thankful that you are a patient God. And that you desire that all would come to know you. And so you've placed us here as your ambassadors to be able to continue to proclaim the hope of Jesus. The hope of life. And so help us each individually, right where you've placed us, give us courage, give us boldness, give us strength. Lord, may we continue to walk with you. And as we walk and abide in you, Lord, you will speak through us. And that aroma, may it be smelt. Not the aroma of ourselves. We stench, Lord. We are stinketh like Lazarus. But Lord, through the blood of Jesus Christ, there's this, the smell of life of hope, of peace, of joy that the world desperately needs. So may they see that in us this week. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.